Well, what's up, Porch? How are we doing tonight? Hey, it's, uh, it is good to see you. Welcome. Uh, if this is your first time here, my name is Timothy Atik, and I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Watermark Community Church. I know we've got a lot of people right here in this room, but I also know that we've got a lot of people in Porch Live locations all over the nation. So if that is you watching, we are so glad that you are joining us here Tonight. Tonight is going to be amazing. You're going to have the opportunity to hear from a good friend of the porches and a good friend of mine, Jenny Allen. So it is going to be amazing, and I am so glad that you get to hear from her. Before I ever met Jenny, I was reading her book, Nothing to Prove, and God used it in a huge way in my life, and it has shaped so much of the way that I've thought about certain things in my life. And then to get to meet her and her husband, Zach, and to get up close and to see that they are the real deal is amazing. Now, uh, before we bring Jenny up, I just want to say this. For the majority of the people in the room, when you hear that Jenny's speaking tonight, that is only good news for you. Because Jenny's been around multiple times now here at the porch, And to get more from her is just good news. But for a few of you here tonight, you you don't know if that's good news or not. Because a few of you, maybe you've been watching some of the things that are happening in the news regarding women in leadership at churches. And so something in you feels nervous about what's happening tonight. So if that's you, I just want to speak to you real quick and tell you, here's how we're thinking about things. I want to be clear, the porch is not a church. So if you're one of those people who says, "Uh, the porch is my church, please don't say that. The porch is not a church. The porch is a ministry of a church, Watermark Community Church, but the porch is, is not a church. Well, how do I say that? Well, the porch is a gathering of young adults, honestly, from a bunch of different churches, We took a survey back in November, and you know what we found out? 60 to 70% of you are not members here at Watermark, and a good majority of you go to other churches. So this is actually a, a gathering of young adults from people from all over the Metroplex. The, The primary gathering of believers that is known as Watermark Community Church, that happens on Sundays here in this building. And those gatherings are led by pastors and elders and the people who fill those positions are men. And we would love for you to come and gather with this body and become a member at Watermark Community Church, but the porch itself is not a church. And so I'm so glad tonight that you're gonna get to hear from my friend Jenny. Uh, The elders at Watermark are so excited that Jenny is coming to speak into the lives of young adults, and it's going to be an incredible night. And so I just want to invite her up. Would you guys do an incredible job of welcoming Jenny to the stage? Thanks for being here, Jenny. Thanks. I want to pray for you real quick, and then I'll turn it over to you. Lord, thank you so much for Zach and Jenny Allen. I'm grateful for who they are. That, that they care about the church, that they would care enough to become members at Watermark Community Church. And I thank you that this is just one of the ways that Jenny is, is serving here. And I thank you for the, 
for the voice that you've given her, for the, life that she, the lives that she and Zach have lived. And uh, I just pray right now that you would fill her with your spirit and that the words that come out of her mouth would be straight from your heart to the young adults in, these, in this room. So, friends, I just want to invite you, take a second real quick in the quietness of your own heart and just pray. Say, God, would you speak to me tonight? And then I want to ask you to pray for Jenny. And just say, God, would you speak boldly through Jenny Allen tonight? Lord, thanks for what you're going to do. We love you. We are ready to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good to be here, Port. So here's what I, I want to begin with this. Just T.A., thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for continually believing in me and supporting me. And I also want to say thank you to the elders. We, we, I'm a believer in the local church, y'all. I have a ministry. I don't know if many of you know me. In fact, tonight I'd like to tell you a little bit of my story. I've been here several times and haven't really told you the big picture of my story. And so I'd like to tell you some of that tonight. But a big part of my story is I'm a local church girl. And I lead a ministry that reaches the world. But, but I really believe in the local church and I have been so loved and cared for by this church and by the elders. And so it is really fun as a woman. I know many of you are men and it's just a good thing to know to be a man that, that is for women. <laughs> and, and I have found that to be true here in my, um, the gift of submitting to these elders. Well, what I wanna do is I wanna take you a little bit on a journey through my life because as I was praying about what to bring tonight, and I had the freedom because it was in the middle of the summer and they're just giving me free reign tonight to talk about what I want to talk about, what's on my heart. I thought the best place to start would be the most life-changing moment of my life. Because I really believe that every one of us, if, if you're following Jesus, has had that moment beginning with when you were saved. But I believe later there's a time where you will encounter God in a deeper way where he asks you, are you gonna follow me in every part of your life? And so my story tonight is a night about surrender. And I didn't really wanna lead with that because it's just not a great sales pitch. In fact, my first book that ever came out, it was about surrender and it just didn't sell very well. Like it's not really a great, um, nobody really gets excited. Like, yeah, let's talk about giving our whole lives up. That's so exciting and positive. No, it didn't sell well. Um, and so, Hard for me to lead tonight with this, but what I know to be true is this is the most life-changing moment in my life. So I grew up in a, a home with, with people that love God. My mom and dad followed him. My dad was an elder at a local church. They led Advent. They taught me about Jesus. And I would say in my mind, I followed him all of those years. I did what was right. But I ended up at a summer camp and I saw the crucifixion depicted and in front of those crosses, I realized I had been the one that sinned and Jesus was dying for my sin and it wrecked me. I prayed that night and I said, Lord, I, I wanna follow you and I gave my life to him. And I really believe that was the point of salvation even though I grew up in a, in a Christian home and had heard the gospel before. I really believe that was the point of salvation because at that point, everything changed. I all of a sudden 
had to talk about God. I mean, I had to talk about God. And so I did that. I was 17 and a junior in high school. I went back to my secular high school and I just started telling everybody about God and I completely annoyed them. So I realized quickly that I needed to find somebody that wanted to listen to me talk about God. So I started a little Bible study. And I didn't have a a model for that necessarily, but I gathered about seven younger girls in a little room in our church and I taught them the book of Revelation. (laughs) I'm not kidding. That's what I did. Felt exciting. Wouldn't do that today, no matter what. And I've been to seminary. Um, So I pull them all in and I'm teaching them. And and I, I look back at that little girl at 17, I go, golly, like she loved Jesus. And as much as it depended on me and throughout my 20s, I tried to do everything this book said. I tried to follow him. I tried to give my life to him. I did everything it said. And yet there was a giant conundrum in my life, which was this. I was plagued with anxiety, plagued with anxiety. When I look back at my 20s, my mind raced all the time, trying to grab an identity, trying to grab a place in people's lives, trying to grab for people's approval, trying to grab for meaning and purpose, trying to grab for whatever could fill up my soul. I just wanted it and I was chasing the wind and I couldn't catch it. And I knew it, but I did not know what I was doing wrong because I loved God and I had trusted Him as my Savior and I was doing my best to obey Him. So I love God plus obedience should equal an abundant life that he promised us. Why is it not equaling an abundant free life? If, if it is for freedom that Christ died, then we should be free indeed. I would read verses like that and go, why is this not applying to my life? Why can I not seem to arrive at the end of the equation that I thought worked all through my 20s? And I'm guessing that many of you have asked yourself that same question. Because for the first time in your life, many of you are at a place where the train tracks have come to an end, right? Like you've gotten to a place where all of a sudden all the rails were set. You knew what you were going to do. You knew where to be every day. You knew who made decisions for you. And all of a sudden you've gotten somewhere where now there's no more train tracks. And now you're supposed to go out into the wild west and figure it out on your own, right? I'm so sorry. I love rails. I love a plan and I love for somebody to tell me where to be and what to do. And all of a sudden you don't have it. And yet the longing and the desire of your heart still is what? To have a happy life, to have an abundant life, to have the things you crave, to have a happy family one day, to have a a meaningful job to to matter. Will y'all admit that some of those things appeal to you? You want those things, right? That is evil. That is wrong. Just kidding. It's not. (laughs) But for one second, you're like, that might be in the Bible somewhere. (laughs) Right? We have believed that our, the desires of our heart to, to want what? Let's let, in fact, let's just yell it out. Y'all know I love y'all to talk back to me. What do you, what do you want? And and I, I don't mean you want a spouse necessarily. I mean, what do you want the banner over your life to be? Purpose. Good. Stress-free. Stability. Financial security. Fellowship. Friendship. Impact. Legacy. Who would like peace for their heart? Not just for the world. Both. (laughs) Right? Who would like freedom from sin? Real freedom from sin. Yeah. Okay. So so all of the things we just named, those those are awesome desires. 
You want things that all the humans want. And yet we have judged ourselves for wanting these things rather than to figure out what it means to turn those desires over to God. So there is a desire that God has put in your heart for good things, lots of good things. And sometimes those good things get really twisty and the enemy is good at taking the desires of our heart, the things that we want most and turning them just a little to where all of a sudden they become evil. So you want sex, God made you for sex. You want money, God is for money. But yet we take those things and we twist them just a little bit and all of a sudden they're destructive in our lives and they're no longer good. So you want freedom, but you chase it at every cost, the cost of other people. All these things that, that you desire are not bad. It's where are we gonna find them? Where do we find our lives? We're all looking for the same things. Where are we going to find it? When I look back at that season in my 20s, I wanna grab that girl and go, I, I know what you want. Let me show you the way to go get it. And it's actually found in a verse. Matthew 16 says this, whoever would save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. We are looking to find our lives. We are looking for what it means to have an abundant life. We are chasing it and we are not catching it. Guys, and that did not just happen in my 20s. That can still happen in my heart today. We are chasing wind and scripture tells us the way that we're gonna find our life is that we lose our life. Here's what I know, that verse, it's horrible. I hate it. I don't even know what it means. I don't know what it means. What, what do you mean lose my life? How do you do that? Where, what, I'll push the button, sign me up. I'll obey God. I want to obey God. I don't know how to do it. And we're gonna talk about that because I do think it is a mysterious verse. It's a complicated concept to lose your life. What does that even mean? And we're gonna talk about it. But before we do, I'm gonna give you a little example. So has anybody in here ever gone trapezing? I don't know if that's an actual verb, but trap, trape, I've trapezed. And when you trapeze, I, two, this is two years ago. I made Davy Flowers go with me. She wanted to cuss. I don't know if she did, but maybe um, that I made her do this. She climbed the ladder. I mean, this was terrifying. You climb this itty bitty ladder to the very top and then you're supposed to hold on to a bar have y'all seen, have y'all ever been to the circus? Do they still have the circus? Okay, everybody, some people are with me. So you grab this bar and you swing and it's terrifying. One of the scariest things I've ever done, but before you do it, this person comes out and teaches you how to do it. Well, it's like a three minute lesson. And they say, they say okay, here, here's your options. You can, number one, you can swing and drop. Number two, you can swing and do a flip and drop. Or number three, you can swing, do a flip, grab another flyer's arms, flip down. Guess which one I wanted to do. Number three. Now I have never trapeze, but I was a cheerleader in college. So I thought I got this. I didn't note, I did not show my video of myself trapezing, but 
So I go through the first one and I have to warm up. I go through the first one, I swing, I drop. Hardest thing I've ever done. Not only are you terrified, anxiety ridden, but you are holding onto a bar with all your might, pointing your toes and trying to drop right so you don't break your neck. Now they said, after I did that right, would you like to do a flip? I'm not so sure anymore, but I say, I will try to do a flip, but I am definitely not gonna do a flip and grab somebody's arms, like ruling that out right now, cause this is impossible. So I, I do the flip, it takes like five tries. I do the flip, finally get it. And then they look at me and they say, okay, are you ready to catch somebody's arms? And I said, listen, that almost killed me. Like, I don't want to do that. I, I don't. And they said, no, 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 Jenny, this is actually easier because they're doing all the work. This trapeze guy was like the most bowed up human and he had, he had done this a million times and now he's up there swinging with me. He said, you don't, I said, I've got to get the timing right. They're like, no, no, he'll watch your timing. He'll do it, he'll, he's got it. All you have to do is let go. And so I didn't let go. Five times I didn't look, I kept going. And finally, it was my birthday. And so all my friends were there. I felt bad. I wanted them to get to go. So they all went, they all went. And then finally, right at the end, they were like, Jenny, you need to try one more time. And I was like, okay. So I go up, I get up there and I let go. And he caught me and I did a flip. And I know y'all all are waiting to see a video. No, I'm not showing you. It was not as pretty as that. But here's what I know. Here's what I know is this is how God works. This is how God works. The, the definition, I wanna, I wanna talk about what we're actually talking about because it is such a vague, mysterious concept and some of you aren't believers and you're listening to me right now and you're going, what does this even mean? What does it mean to let go of my life, to lose my life? And so I wanna start with this, this definition, abandon, it's a verb to leave completely and finally, forsake utterly, to give up the control of, to yield without restraint or moderation, to surrender one's claim to, right to, or interest in, to give up entirely. I love this topic because there's really not a medium. So some of you, you're already asking yourself like, have I done this? I don't know if I've had this moment. There's not a medium. And I'm not saying you can't ever pick back up the things that you, you love and the things that you carry, but it is pretty much all or nothing. When you read that definition, it is all or nothing. You lose your life when you follow God. And guys, let me just, listen, this is, this is important. This is not for the special Christians. This is not for the people on the mission field. This is the normative way a Christian is to interact with God. But somehow in my 20s, I kind of miss this. And so I'm living through my 20s and I'm living for approval and I'm trying to make my life work and I'm trying to work it all out. And I look back at that little girl and she was so tired. And I came across the blog of a girl named Katie Davis. And she had surrendered her life to God and God had called her to the mission field. She was living in Uganda. Some of you know her story, Katie Majors is her name now. She, she had moved to Uganda and she was just taking in girls off the street. She ended up with many girls that she adopted into her life and she was only 22. She was younger than me at the time. And I watched her life and I thought, okay, I want that. I want her 
kind of surrender. I want to walk away from the comfort of my life. I want to give up whatever God calls me to give up and I wanna follow God. And I did not know what that meant, but that night, it was late at night, I was on my bathroom floor because my husband was asleep and he was, he was in um, the other room. So I went in the bathroom, I was on the floor reading this, this blog and I, I got down on my knees and I said, okay, God, I don't know what I'm holding on to, but I want to let go of it. And I will do anything, anything that you want me to do. I will give up anything that you want me to give up. I, I am in. And you know what I thought would happen next? I thought a voice from the sky or in my heart or wherever it comes from would say, thank you, Jenny. I would like you to report for duty in China <laughs> tomorrow morning, please, you know, because we all think that. But you know what came immediately was conviction. Conviction of how so many times I have made a choice, not based on God's word, but a fear of people. How so many times I have willed something into being so I could be comfortable rather than obedient. How I had lived for the invisible thoughts of people rather than the will of God. How I had tried to control my gifts and the things that God had given me so that people would like me and accept me rather than obey God how I had so many resources and that maybe we were supposed to rather than go across the world would be to bring the world into our home through adoption. Those were the things that God began to lead me to, begin to speak to me. And it was not what I wanted because it would have been easier to go across the ocean than to give up the small idols in my heart. And so I get up the next day and I think to myself, you are welcome, God. I am your servant. Here I am for duty. What would you like me to do today? And almost immediately, I, was, I remember I was doing dishes at my sink. Almost immediately, a text came in. And, and it said that so-and-so was leading our church. And my husband was a church planner at the time. And it wasn't because of the church or because of Zach. It was because of the pastor's wife, me. And I'm doing dishes. And prior to that day, my heart would have spun out. My mind would have raced. I would have been plagued with anxiety for a week. I would have tried and rushed to try to go fix the problem. I would have worried about my reputation. I would, and at the sink that morning, you know what? I was okay. See, we think God wants us to give up our lives, to surrender what we want so badly, to take the idols of our heart and kill them. We think he wants us to give all that up so that he is first and, and he is good in the kingdom of God, is settled and we can be important in the kingdom of God and do great things for God. The reality is he wants to set you free. He wants your heart, your idols are binding you, the things you love, the things you want more than God, they are bondage. They have locked you up and he wants to set you free through that. I think about, there are, there are so many times in those years where I, I wondered why am I spinning out? Why am I so anxious all the time? Why am I so worried? And I thought, you know what? I'm doing this right. I am hanging on tight. I am, I am muscling my way through this. And I mean, y'all, here's what's great. I believe all that time God was like, girl, 
I see you, I love you, I got you, but I have a better plan for your life. And we're not gonna stay here muscling this thing. And that night when I let go, I mean, I'm telling you guys, this is how it works. So you let go and the guy catches me and all of a sudden he's flipping me. Like I'm not even moving my body. He is like throwing me in the air and I'm doing all these flips and then he drops me. And this is how it's supposed to go is you watch God all of a sudden show up and move in this crazy, mighty way in your life. And I know so many of you are waiting for that. You're craving that. And what's great is you are not alone in that. When I look at scripture, there are, I wanna talk about two different stories where this is contrasted. And you look in Luke 5 and you see Jesus comes for the disciples and they're on their boats and they're trying to catch fish and they're trying to, to work out their lives. They're trying to provide for their people and they're doing the thing. And Jesus walks up and he fills up their net. He gives them in abundance what they are craving. He says, I got you. This is how I work. And their nets are full. But rather than say, you know what? I wanna be the greatest fisherman in the world. I want this thing because this is what I live for. They, what? Peter says, the first thing he says is depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. See, he looked not at the fish. He looked at who just filled the nets. He looked at the who just filled the nets and he was like, this is a supernatural man. This is not a normal man. And I believe one reason that we do not surrender is we don't know who we're dealing with. We don't know if we trust this God. We don't know if we let go and we let him catch us that he's gonna give us what we want. We don't know if he's gonna give us a spouse and a bunch of kids. We don't know if he's gonna give us a meaningful job. We don't know if we're financially gonna be taken care of. And guys, let me tell you something. You're right, you don't know. But that wasn't the questions that Peter asked. That wasn't the questions the disciples asked. Jesus said, come follow me, leave everything and follow me. That's what he says in the next passage. Do not be afraid from now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. They dropped their nets and they followed him. And they didn't say that it had, they had a bunch of questions about it. Like, well, what's my mom gonna think? And what about, you know, am I gonna get this? I need to know that I'm gonna get this or I'm not gonna go with you. Tell me that my life is gonna work out. Tell me that I can follow you and I can get all the other things that I want. They didn't say that. They left everything, it says, and they followed him. Why? Not because he gave them what they wanted. If it was about the fish, they would have stayed. Because of this man that could do things that they had never seen that might be God. They wanted Jesus. And so they followed Jesus. One of the reasons we don't surrender is we just don't know who's gonna catch us. And a few, and a little bit of time later, this is over in Mark 10, they encounter all of the disciples that are now, they've left everything and they're following. They encounter a story that you probably heard, the rich young ruler. And, and they go and they, they are talking about Jesus. They are ministering to people and people are being healed and people are being saved. And, and in Mark 10, this man comes up to them and says, I want eternal life. How do I get it? And then he starts bragging. He's like, listen, I don't murder. I don't commit adultery. I don't steal. I, I honor my father and mother. I, I keep all these commands that you've given us. I do all the right things. I love God. I've got obedience. What, what, do you, what else? What do you want? And he said, I want you to leave 
everything. He looked at him and said, you lack one thing, go sell all that you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come and follow me. So I want you to leave everything and I want you to come and follow me. But he doesn't. He says this. He said he was disheartened and he went away sorrowfully for he had great possessions. He wouldn't leave everything. Now, some of you are going, okay, what, what, is, what are you gonna ask us to do here? Like what's, what's the equation? Cause I need to know the equation that you're gonna ask me to do because Otherwise, I might go to the bathroom right now if I think this is going to sell everything. And I'm gonna say it is going to absolutely give up your right control of everything. Why? Because nothing, nothing sets you free like letting go. And what's awesome is your desires don't have to change. You know what? Most of your desires aren't for bad things. The things you named earlier that you yelled at, now some of you hid some of your really dirty desires. It's okay, I know, they're there too. But the fact is, those good desires that you want, God is not mad at you for wanting those things. When, when I was in that place of letting everything go, and there was real fear. My husband and I, um, Zach, who's here tonight, he, he began to pray this prayer with me. We prayed the prayer for, for a solid week and the Lord showed up. He began to say, okay, I want you to, that, that empty bed in, in the other room, I want you to fill it with a kid. The family that you had, which I can show you my family real quick. There's, there's a bunch of them and they're really big now. Um, the family that you have that's kind of in your control and doing pretty well, we're gonna, we're gonna maybe bust that up a little bit. And our son from Rwanda is the best thing that ever happened to us. And y'all maybe heard me say this before, he's a little bit of a punk too. And so, you know, he's 14 and that's just to be expected. But you look at, I mean, you can kind of see it in his eyes. Like, <laughs> but he's the best thing that has ever happened to us. It is a yes. I am so grateful that I said, God, I will do whatever you want. And that he spoke and he led. And there are so many parts of my life. In fact, some of you know a little bit about my life and you're like, I, in fact, you've told me this. I want the life you have now. I want the marriage, the kids. I want the ministry. I want all those things. But let me just tell you, all of those things have let me down and been difficult on a given day. But that day that I surrendered changed everything about my life. And the joy that I have doing the things that I want to do the joy that I have doing the things God wants me to do, it is better than the best day with them. Why? Because we are part of a story that is going on and on and on. When I, when I was researching this, I came across a passage on down in the part about the rich young ruler. And I knew that surrender was a hard sell. It was a hard sell for me that night, except that I had encountered God and I knew I wanted that more because if heaven is real and God is real, then I don't wanna miss whatever he has for me. I want to get there and I wanna be out of breath and I want to have done the good works that God prepared in advance for me to do. I didn't wanna miss anything. And I can tell you on a given day, my husband, this is a few months ago, he came to me and said, Jenny, this business that we started, not the ministry, but the business, 
it is in a bad place and I don't know that it's gonna make it. And I, we looked at each other, we were like, okay, worst case scenario, we sell our house, we, we rent, we, whatever happens, like I just looked at him and I said, I'm good, we're good. We're good, we can do that. Because on the day that I laid everything down, that I said, God, I will follow you no matter what. I said, not if you give me this, if you take care of me, if this is in place, if everything else. Y'all, the disciples that left everything went on many of them to die. Awful deaths for the sake of Christ. He does not promise us it's gonna get easy. He promises us, in fact, there will be a lot of trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. There is a story that we get to be a part of. And the reason that it's not so hard anymore to look at my husband and go, okay, we filed bankruptcy, we sell the house, we'll be fine, is because I have learned that everything here is so fleeting. It's so fleeting. We play for the end game. And so I was researching and, and at the end of this, Peter, it's, it's cute. This is after the rich young ruler, Peter looks at Jesus and he says, so I need to know how this deal is gonna go down. Like, hey, he didn't leave everything, we kind of did. So is this gonna work out for us? Peter looks at Jesus and says, see, we've left everything and followed you. What then will we have? He, and I listen to that and I go, Peter's a, a punk. You know, he's kind of selfish. And, and who says that to Jesus? Like who sits there and says, what's in it for me to Jesus? And so in my mind, the next words would read something like, you little punk, I'm gonna have to go die, get over it. You're gonna be fine. That's my Jesus interpretation of what would come next. And so, but I go on and read and I was shocked. This is what Jesus said to him. Truly, I tell you, let me, let me set this up first. Take it down. He gives them the desire of their heart. He gives them the desire. He's about to tell them, I'm gonna give you what you want. I was shocked. I was shocked. This is what he says. Truly, I tell you at the renewal of all things, when the son of man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers, or mothers, or wives, or children, or fields, or dreams, or plans, or hopes, or idols of any kind. For my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. This is the story of God that it will be worth it one day the things you hope for, the things you want, the longings you have, Jesus knows them. He's not saying, no, 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 give me everything, I want it all. He's saying, hey, give me everything. I'll heal you from the anxiety that you feel every day trying to hold on to it all. I'll give you a hope that crushes the despair of the disappointment and the abuse that you have endured. I will give you in return freedom. 
You'll lay down the things in this life you think you want so badly and I'll give you a better life. You lose your life and you find your life. It wasn't just an eternal promise, it is immediate. It's the kitchen sink tomorrow morning. It's, it's the text that you're gonna get when you walk out tonight that will send your heart spinning or not. It's the hope and the security that you can have God no matter what goes wrong in your life and the trouble that you face. It is a promise, it is secure. You let go, you get caught and wild things start to happen. And they have, and it has cost us things. It has scared us on certain days. There have been days that I feel like I lose way more than I gain because it is so scary and it costs us. There are times that I am weeping and wondering, why did we do that? And God reminds us, I have a plan for you and it is good and it is coming and we are going to do amazing things in the meantime, but it won't always be the way that you thought it would go. In fact, nothing about my life is the way that I thought it would go. And I wouldn't trade it for anything, the good and the bad. Because He builds good stories and we build boring ones. We build stories where we get everything we think we want and it puts us in bondage the rest of our life. If you knew what God wanted for you, what he had for you, you would want it. The day that, that I get to heaven, this is what I picture. I think about it all the time, which means I think about death and I'm very morbid all the time. I think about it and I, I picture getting to, to Jesus and picture getting to God and, and I picture me getting there and, and being tired. And I picture a little bit like he's a coach. He's like, hey, I was with you. That was fun, wasn't it? Yeah. There were some parts we can talk about later. It weren't as fun. But he looking at me and saying, well done, kid. Well done. You didn't love the world more than me. You just were passing through. And how we do it, it's the simplest thing in the world. You let go. You let go. When all those desires come back, you, you let go again. And when your world crumbles because your child gets a diagnosis, you let go again. And when you lose everything that you thought you needed in life, you let go again. You let go again and again and you receive what he has for you, even if it's scary, even if it's not what you would have picked, even if it is costly, you, you say, I want it, I want you, and I want what you have for me more than anything else. So here's what we're gonna do. I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what you're hanging on to so tight, but I promise you it's a lot more work than it is worth. But I have prayed, we have prayed that the Holy Spirit would show you, that the Holy Spirit would just make it so clear to you. What do I want more than you? 
What do I, what do I think I need to be happy? What, what is the thing I am hanging on to? What is the thing that is making you worried all the time? I think of Mary and Martha and Martha taking care of all the things and, and Mary's with Jesus, just hanging with Jesus. And what Jesus says to Martha is, hey, come, come be with me. You're worried about many things, but only one thing. You only need one thing. You need me. And some of you have never said yes to God. And for you this night, what it means is, is not that you are, are convicted to let go of something. You hear that Jesus lost his life for you. That he lost his life for you so that you could be saved. The reason those of us that are believers can sit here and talk about laying down our whole lives is because our God has been that good to us. Our God has done something for us that is so mind-blowing, that is beyond anything we can imagine, that He laid down His life for us on the cross. He said, I will lose my life so that you may be found because I love you. God so loved you that He laid down the life of His Son, Jesus. And so, for you tonight, you go, okay, I want that. I don't know if I wanna give up everything in the whole world, but I do want God and I would say this. I would say this, it's an easy trade. You get heaven, you get God. And along the way, you will get blessings too. There will be times in your life that are great and there will be times that will cuss word. Because that would be true no matter what. But you would have God with you in the midst of all of that. So if you have never trusted Christ, we pray you would do that tonight. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna give you just a minute to lay something down. To say, this is the thing I wanna lose tonight. This is what I wanna give up. This is the thing that has been stressing me out. This is the thing that I've been holding on to. We're gonna give you a minute to pray. And then, because I believe in public confession, we're going to text it to this number. And this is why I believe in public confession, because someone else is gonna say something that you didn't even know was binding you. Somebody else is gonna share something that has been holding them, that they have loved more than God, and you're gonna go, oh shoot, I forgot about that. And so it is gonna be a great giant surrender party. And we are gonna lay down all of these things. And if you are at a Porch Live location, you can text it to that number too. And on the screen, all of those words are gonna show up. And as we look at those words, there's gonna be a question in your mind. All these things that we want, is it worth it? Is it worth it to live for those things? Because the stories that I believe will come out of this place if we live surrendered, not to the things of this world, but to our God, will be eternal. Y'all are a crew that is changing the world in small and big ways. And I believe God wants to go flip crazy through you. So God, would you just right now show us, show every single person in this room 
what we have loved more than you. Would this be a night like the bathroom floor night for me where they go, I'm done. I am done living for the things I've been living for. I want you. I want you more than all these things. I want you more than control over my life. I want you more than some important job. I want you more than finances and comfort. I want you more than this boy that I think has hung the moon that should like me back and doesn't. I want you more than any plan that I could build. I want you. I want you. I want you. I want you. So as you pray and as God brings things to mind, you can text him in.